your Bibles when you find your places, if you'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able, that is. And uh, uh, Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse number 22, read a few verses, and then we're going to skip down to uh, a very amazing passage of Scripture that um, I'm going to be honest with you, for me, has always been a little difficult to discern. But here recently, I really believe the Spirit of God showed me something super significant, and I want to share it. I'm excited about sharing it with the church today. And so Matthew chapter 12 in your Bibles and, and find your way to verse number 22. We'll read down through verse number 26. The Bible says, then was brought unto him, unto Jesus, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. In other words, he could not see and he could not speak. And the Bible says, and he, Jesus, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Well, how many know Jesus never does anything halfway? Verse 23, the Bible says, and all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? Now, some of you here today, you're, you're thinking, preacher, I recognize that. We've been teaching all around that, and we really have. We've been preaching multiple mess messages out of Matthew chapter 12. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the, uh, the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so we were right here, the same location. And so Jesus cast these, these devils out and when the people see that Jesus has this great power, they begin to say, is not this the son of David? In other words, they were saying, this is the Messiah. This has to be the Messiah. This, this has to be the one that we've been waiting on, that we've been looking for. Look what it says here in uh, verse number 24. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, notice very carefully here, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then, or how shall then, his kingdom stand? Now, I want you to skip down to verse number 43 with me. Verse 43, and we're gonna read through the end of the chapter here, verse, verse number 43. The Bible says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And listen to this. And the last state of that man is what? Is worse than the what? Than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. What in the world does that mean? Well, we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. So you can be seated. And uh, I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump into this uh, this morning and I hope it'll be uh, understandable to you. And so let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary.
And uh, we're just excited about being here. And, and uh, Lord, I've been very enthused about giving, sharing this truth with our people. And so, Holy Spirit of God, supernaturally, would you touch me right now? And I pray, God, you might give me a strong voice all day today. And I pray that we would be able to teach, preach, whatever you want done is okay. It doesn't matter, Lord, if you want me to teach it, I'll teach it. If you want me to preach it, I'll preach it. Uh, or we can, we can mingle it. We can mix and match whatever you want. Uh, Lord, the main thing is that the people get the truth. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd fill us with yourself, not only the preacher, but the people. And, Father, the best that we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over this service. And I pray that Jesus, the Son of God, would receive all the praise and the glory and the honor and the, and the prestige and the fame and uh, the focus. And, Father, I pray that you would save the lost today and I pray you'd keep somebody from disaster. Lord, that one that is straying, that one that's wandering away from the will of God, Heavenly Father, snatch them back. Snatch them back today before it's too late. Before they end up, Lord, before it ends up worse than it was at the beginning. And so, Spirit of God, we pray for your help. We love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray and all God's people said, amen. What in the world? What, what, is, what is Matthew chapter number 12? What is it actually talking about? Well, Matthew 12 is actually teaching us a great truth, a great truth, but it's one of those kind of, uh, it's one of those kind of truths that if you're not careful, it's very, very easily missed. I, you know, this is just the way I look at the word of God. To me, the word of God's like a treasure trove. I mean, it's like a treasure chest. And if you're gonna find treasure, you gotta dig. Um, you're not gonna find buried treasure just by walking down the beach. You gotta get a shovel out and you gotta dig. And that's how the word of God is, in my opinion. The word of God's like a treasure chest. Man, it's just, it's just chock full of, of truths and life-changing principles and precepts and concepts and, and, and parables and stories, but you gotta dig, uh, you gotta dig to get it out. And this is one of those wonderful, wonderful treasures. This is one of those wonderful, wonderful truths but if we don't dig it out, you know what? You may not ever, you may not ever find it. So what is the Bible talking about here, uh, especially in verse 43? Now look at there, the Bible says, when the unclean spirit's gone out of a man, he, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. And, and then the Bible says a little bit later, that spirit comes back and then he brings seven more spirits. And the Bible says that the latter end of that man is worse than it was in the first. And, and somebody says, wow, preacher, I'm so confused. What, what's the, what, what is the Bible talking about? Let me see if I can help you with this just a little bit today. Now, I want you to keep in mind what has just happened prior to the Lord Jesus Christ telling this story in Matthew chapter 12. Don't forget, uh, the Bible tells us that a demon-possessed man has been freed from a devil that was literally controlling his life. Now, when I say controlling, I mean he was in control. This man that was demon-possessed could neither see or speak. Now, just stop there for a minute and just ponder on that. Think about that. This guy can't see. He has no way of seeing what's going on. He cannot communicate with the outside world. Can you imagine? This guy is shut off from society. He is shut off from humanity. By the way, that's exactly what the devil wants to do. 
And so he is in absolute total control of this man. We see that in verse number 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. Jesus healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Now, there's something that I want to point out real quickly, and that's this, that this man was delivered. How many would say he was delivered? Amen? Yeah. He was delivered, and he was healed, and he wasn't just healed, but he was healed in a major way. He was healed in a big way because the Bible says that before he was not singing, before he was not speaking, and now he's doing both. And so the Lord Jesus Christ has delivered this man and the Lord Jesus Christ has healed this man, but not necessarily saved this man. That's a big difference. We hear a lot on the TV. If you watch some of the religious program, pro, pro, programming on TV, you hear a lot about being delivered. You hear a lot about being healed. You don't hear a lot about being saved. It's one thing to be delivered. It's one thing to be healed. It's quite another to be saved. And so, uh, so this man is, uh, has, uh, he's seen, this man is speaking, but not necessarily saved. And then just moments later, right after the Lord Jesus Christ performs this great miracle, just moments later, Jesus tells this story. Verse 43, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. Now I wanna point out a couple things real quickly before we read on here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, I want you to understand that the man is symbolic of the house. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, notice the next word, he walketh through. Did y'all see that? He walketh through. That's the devil. The Bible's talking about the devil. When the Bible talks about the man, it's indicative of the house. When the Bible talks about he, that he, it, it, is, it is indicating the, the devil. He, the devil, walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he, verse 44, then he, who's the he? The devil. Then he saith, I will return into my house. That's the man. From whence I came out and when he, the devil, is come, he findeth it, that's the man, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Now look at verse 45. Then goeth he, that's the devil. That's not the man, that's the devil. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven, with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in, enter in what preacher? Enter into the man and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. Now, listen, I'm not preaching on this, but I think it's very important that we point something out because I saw this the other day and I thought, wow. We learned a very interesting truth right here in Matthew chapter 12, that devils and the powers of darkness are constantly searching for a house. They are constantly searching for a house. Are you listening, church? Devils, I'm talking about the devil. Now, most of us, most of us, when I say devil, I'm not necessarily talking about Satan, uh, the prince of Beelzebub. I'm talking about, uh, uh, we know that, that Satan has principalities, powers, uh, the rulers of the darkness, uh, darkness of this world, spirit, spiritual wickedness in high places, uh, just like uh, some of you fellows that were in the military. Uh, you had uh, colonels and you had sergeants and you had lieutenants and majors and privates and corporals 
And uh, listen, uh, Satan's kingdom is the same way. Satan is uh, uh, over that hierarchy, but there are other angels, principalities that have great power. There are uh, powers of the air. There are spiritual wickedness. And, and so he has colonels and sergeants and lieutenants and majors and privates and all those kinds of things. And, uh, but I want you to understand that devils and the powers of darkness are constantly searching for a house. They're looking for a person that they can control and a person that they can feel. You say, well, preacher, I'm saved. Well, don't think that you're uh, totally out of the, the bullseye. Because yes, they are looking for a house to possess, but they are also looking for someone to oppress. And they may not be able to possess you, but I'll tell you what Satan can do. He can't oppress you. He can make you feel guilty. He can make you feel discouraged. He can make you feel depressed. He can try to rob you of your joy. And so we learn a great, we learn a great truth here. Now here's what I want you to do. I want to organize in a little Bible study. I want you to put something right there, Matthew 12, because we're coming right back there. But Matthew chapter 12, put something there, put your ribbon there, put a bookmark there, put something, because we're going right back there. But I want you to turn over to the book of Job, Job chapter one, and I want you to find your, your way to verse number seven. And man, when I read this other day, I thought, wow, I never, I never understood Job chapter one like I understand it now. Job chapter one, and look at verse number seven. Now you understand that God, in Job one verse seven, that God is carrying on a conversation with Lucifer, with Satan. Look at Job chapter one and verse number seven. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? In other words, Satan, where are you coming from? Look at Satan's answer. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Man, I've read that verse dozens and dozens of times, but it never made more sense than it does now. All right, flip right back to Matthew chapter 12. It's, isn't it amazing that, that Job chapter one, verse number seven goes right along with what we read just a moment ago. Verse number 43 when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Hey, church, are you listening to me? Did you know the powers of darkness have you as a bullseye? Yeah. You know what 1 Peter 5, 8 says? Listen to this. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, yeah. walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And I'm gonna tell you something, that ought to concern us. Amen. Man, listen, you think that uh, you don't even exist on Satan's radar, let me tell you something. Satan is walking about and his devils are walking about and they're looking for a house. They're looking for somebody that they can inhabit, somebody they can possess, somebody they can possess, somebody they can oppress. They're constantly walking back and forth and to and fro through the earth. And, and you say, preacher, you know what I do don't matter and it don't matter if I go to church and it don't matter if I read the Bible. I wanna tell you something, what you better understand and what I better understand is that every last one of us have a target on our back. And Satan is looking to destroy us. But who is this person in 12, in Matthew chapter 12? Who is this person referring to? Well, this is what I believe. 
It is the person who tries to reform apart from the Redeemer. Now look at it in your Bibles again. Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 44. Verse 44, the Bible says, then he, the devil, that's the devil. Then he saith, I will return into my house. That's the man. From whence I came out. In other words, I came out of the man for a little while, but I'm back. And when he, the devil, has come, he findeth it, that's the man, he findeth it empty, this is interesting, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. And so when the evil spirit comes back, he finds this life is now clean, he finds this life is now decorated, listen to me, church, but he finds this life is empty. The house is empty. So Jesus is referring to somebody who is successful in cleaning the house. He is successful in temporarily driving away the evil spirit. But later when the spirit returns and temptation comes back, he finds the house, yes, it's swept. Yes, it's garnished. Yes, it's decorated. But he finds the house empty. And being empty, the evil spirit enters back in. But this time he brings friends. He brings seven other spirits that are worse than himself. And the Bible says the last state of that man is worse than the beginning. Now let me tell you, let me tell you what Jesus is telling us here in Matthew chapter 12, that reform is not enough to change you and keep you changed. You say, pastor, I'm really trying to clean up my life. Wonderful. By the way, I'm not knocking that. I'm not knocking that down. You may be here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm really trying to turn over a new leaf. That's wonderful. But I, but I, but I wanna lovingly tell you this, it's not enough. Amen. It's not enough. It's not enough just to sweep the house. It's not enough just to clean the house. Here's what our Bible's teaching here. It's a very important truth in Matthew chapter 12. It's important not only uh, to empty the house of evil things, but to fill the house with Christ. Amen. That's what our Bible's saying. Now, let me give you three, just three thoughts, and we're on our way today. Three thoughts, and I hope this will be a help to you. Number one, it's vital, it is vital that your temple be filled. Now, you say, preacher, temple, what are you talking about temple? You, your temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, your body. It's vital that your temple be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. All right, turn your Bibles over, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, we've been teaching on this a lot here lately, quite a bit, actually, and, and I won't take the time to really go into this in depth today, but at least let me hit the surface. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and look at verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. Uh, the Bible says this, what know ye not, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, what know ye not that your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ephesians 5 verse 18, you don't have to turn there. The Bible says, and be not drunk with wine, we're in a success, but be filled, notice the wording there, but be filled with the spirit. Acts chapter 4 verse number 31 and when they had prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all 
filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 13, verse number 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is what our Bible's telling us, that when you receive Christ as your Savior, God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body and your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. You become the house. You become the house. You become the house of the Holy Spirit. And listen, this is what's so great about this truth. The Holy Spirit begins to clean the house. Oh yes, he does. He begins to clean the house. I tell our people here all the time, and it's so true. If you'll just go ahead and get saved and give your life to Jesus, you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit will start to do in your life. He'll start changing your wanters. He'll start changing your likers. He'll start changing the things that turn you on and the things that turn you off. Listen, he'll, he'll help you to start liking music you never liked before. And he'll give you a distaste for the music you used to like. All of a sudden, that alcohol that you used to live for doesn't taste as good anymore. All of a sudden, that crowd that you used to hang around and you thought, man, these are some great friends and they're really not that great. All they did constantly was try to get you to drink and dope and carouse around and sleep around. Come on now, let's be honest. And all of a sudden you get born again. We'll hear more about that tonight, so just hang on tight for tonight. When you get saved and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, He begins to clean the house he begins to sweep the house. He begins to garnish the house. But most importantly, he begins to fill the house. He begins to fill the house. Oh, yes. Hey, church, listen to me. You say, Pastor, are you opposed to Alcoholics Anonymous? I am not. I am not opposed to Alcoholics Anonymous. Listen, if somebody is struggling with alcohol and they can go to AA and they can get some help, I'm all for that. I'm not against that at all. But I want you to hear me out this morning. Let me tell you what AA does. AA sweeps the house and AA cleans the house and AA garnishes the house. But AA has one major problem. It does not fill the house. So if you're here this morning and you're struggling with narcotics and maybe you're hooked on prescription pills or you're hooked on heroin or you're watching the live stream today and, and you know, you know that you've got strongholds in your life and, and you say, preacher, it's like a monkey on my back. It's got me chained. It's like I just can't get out from underneath it. And, and you say, pastor, I went to Narcotics Anonymous night after night after night after night. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not against that. I'm not against Reformers Unanimous. I'm not against uh, celebrate recovery. I'm not against those things, but I'm just telling you, you know what they do? They clean the house, they sweep the house, they garnish the house, but they do not fill the house. Boy, that makes sense, don't it? Listen to this. More than two-thirds of, pri uh, more than, more than two of prisoners more than two-thirds of prisoners are rearrested within three years of their release from prison and half are reincarcerated again. You say, Pastor, that's insane. Let me, let me explain it. You know why incarceration? Incarceration is the idea of trying to to sort of hit the reboot button 
Incarceration sweeps, incarceration cleans, incarceration garnishes. But let me tell you what incarceration doesn't do. It doesn't fill the house. And so you understand that it's, it's, it's vital, that it's important that, that if your life is gonna be changed and, and uh, if you're gonna be transformed, you must be saved. You must be saved. You say, Pastor, but I'm trying this and I'm trying this social program and I'm not preaching against any of those things. If it's helping you, I'm not preaching against that, but I'm just saying this. Listen, it's not gonna fill the house. That's what I'm saying. It's not gonna fill the house. You're gonna have to get God. You're gonna have to get saved. You're gonna have to come to Jesus. Why? Because when you get born again, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you and he fills this wonderful temple with himself. Now, why is that so big, preacher? Let me tell you, one, one of the reasons, one of the reasons. You say, Pastor, are you worried that you'll be possessed of a demon? Not a bit. You say, well, why? I'm already possessed. I'm already possessed. What? Did y'all hear that? The preacher down at Union Grove, he's possessed. Did y'all hear that? He's possessed. It's true. I confess. I, 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 I admit it. I am. I'm possessed. But I'm glad I can tell you I'm not possessed with an evil spirit. I'm possessed with the spirit that's called the Holy Spirit. I'm possessed with the spirit that's called the Holy Ghost of God. I'm, a possess, I'm possessed with a spirit that has cleaned me up and picked me up. Oh, yes, good neighbor, and put me on a new road and a new path. And I'm possessed with a spirit that's made me a better husband and a better daddy and a better pastor and a better preacher and a better Christian. And man, I'm about to have a spell this morning. How about you? Are you possessed? We better understand something that devils are looking. They're looking for a house. They're looking for somebody that they can possess. And if the spirit of God is living inside of you, you don't have to worry about being possessed with an evil spirit. Second Corinthians 6 verse 16 says it like this. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you're the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. How about Colossians chapter one, verse 13? The Bible says about that same Holy Spirit who hath delivered us up, who, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. How about 1 John chapter two, verse 13? Because ye have overcome the wicked one. So my wife and I, we live in town and uh, right outside the city limits. And on our road where we live at, there's only two houses on, if you're coming down a road, there's only two houses on the whole right side of our road and then city of Statesville owns pretty much all that property down through there. Our neighbor, our, our neighbor's dad used to live in the only other house on the side of that road. He used to live there and then he passed away and nobody has lived in that house for a long, long time. He died many, many years ago. And nobody's lived in that house for a long, long time. The other day, I was coming down our road. I was going to the house. I was coming down our road. And I noticed what looked like some homeless folks walking away from that house. Didn't look right. You know what I'm talking about? Didn't look right. 
And so a little bit later, I saw, my, I saw our neighbor out. He was out mowing his yard or something. I stopped and I, I said, hey, brother. I said, I just want to let you know. I said, it may not be anything to it, but I just want to let you know. I said, I was coming down the road the other day and I said, up here at your daddy's place. I said, I noticed there was some people and it looked like homeless folk. I said, they were, they were coming out from that way. And I said, you might have some homeless folks living in your daddy's house. And he said, thanks. He said, thank you very much. And he, he said, I'll, che- I'll check on that. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. How many know that it would be very, very easy for homeless people to live in a house that's not being lived in? That's been empty for a long, long time. I mean, nobody ever pays attention to it. It's all grown up. Trees are in front of it. Bushes and vines are grown up. And uh, very, very, very easy for homeless people to move in and begin living there. But wait a minute now. What if those same homeless people came to your house? and tried to come and start living in your bedroom. You said, whoa, 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 hang on. Who do you think you are? What are you doing? This is where we live, this is where my kids live. Hey, this is a a place of protection. Uh, What what do you think you're doing? Listen, very, very hard for homeless people to come into a home that's already being dwelt in. Are y'all following me this morning? If you're here this morning and uh, uh, you say, Pastor, I'm trying to reform, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf, I'm trying to change my life, that's wonderful. But I'm just telling you that it is absolutely vital that your temple be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we gotta hurry. We gotta hurry. Look at this though. Oh man, oh man. This is so important. Number two, not only is it vital for your temple to be filled, but number two, it's important that your time be filled. That your time be filled. 1 Corinthians 7, 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Colossians chapter four, verse number five. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Oh man. I, listen, I want to be suave and debonair, but I'm going to tell you what, I don't have a lot of suave, suave and debonairs going on today. I'm just telling you. I just, I just feel something in me wanting to tell you just the, just the rock solid truth. And I'm just listening. Know, and I know, and I don't mean to, sometimes I come across a little, I don't mean to come across bristly and, and things like that. Good night, God knows I want to preach this in love. And, but it's just, that I, it's just that I feel so passionate about this. And sometimes it's hard not to be passionate about it. But I'm just, I just came here to tell you something. That you're not going to be idle. You're not going to be idle and live the victorious Christian life. It's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. I said, it's not gonna happen. We had people came here last March in revival, got born again, I believe they got saved. I believe they got saved. I saw a change take place in their life. But you know what happens? Satan comes. And he gets them to stray. He gets them to begin wander, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that what the songwriter said? And all of a sudden, they were coming. You know what? God saved them. They got baptized. They were coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They were coming to revival, coming to conferences. I mean, you could tell a change was taking place in their life. They were growing. Their family was doing better. Their marriage was doing better. Their kids were doing better. And all of a sudden, the devil came, and the devil got them all sidetracked. And now they show up on Sunday morning. And that's like this all the time. Preacher, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think we'll make it tonight. Oh, I'm sorry, you've, you've got an emergency? 
Well, no, no one have an emergency. I just don't think I'm going to make it tonight. I'm, listen, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings this morning, but I'm just telling you, you're not going to go through daily life and stay out of the house of God and miss your Bible reading and miss your prayer time and miss revivals and miss Sunday school and be idle. I'm telling you what, and just be idle. Amen. Yes, I'm preaching good this morning. Oh, yes. Listen, you've got to get busy spiritually. Ecclesiastes 10, 18, but much slothfulness, by much slothfulness, the building decayeth, and through idleness of the hands, the house droppeth through. What's, what's Calvary about? They don't have Sunday morning? No. Sunday night? Wednesday night? Sunday school? Preaching time? Youth activities, choir practice, young adults, Sunday school, uh, work days, men of valor, ladies' meetings, revival. What's that about, Pastor? We're to fill our time with spiritual things. Listen to this according to a 2021 survey. 22% 22% of Americans say, they, uh, say they, they attend church every week, 22%. 22%. Well, to lament over that. But here's the problem. It gets worse. 22% of Americans say they attend church every week. 11% of Americans say about once a month. 25% of Americans seldom 31% of Americans never. Anybody have a notion we're in trouble? You know why we're in trouble? We're not filling our time with the things of the Lord. Now I got to bring this to a close. It's vital that our temple be filled. It's important that our time be filled. Hey, let me just close with this one. Number three, it's crucial that your temptation be filled. It's crucial that your temptation be filled. Now you say, Brother Pope, what, what are you talking about? Listen to this. Take your Bibles, and we're done. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8, because I want to show you something glorious. Romans chapter number 8. Your temple needs to be filled. Your time needs to be filled. Your temptation needs to be filled. What do you mean, pastor? It needs to be filled with the knowledge that you don't have to give in. (laughs) Look at Romans 8. This is wonderful. Romans 8, verse 1. Find your place, say amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you have a Bible? Amen? Amen. Romans 8, verse 1. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Look at verse two, verse two. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, ho, ho, look at the next few words, hath made me, what's the word? Hath made me what? Come on, say it, church, hath made me what? Hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank God I get the great job of coming here today and telling you that if you're in Jesus Christ, you are free. You're free. You're free. Man. Brother Rodney, come here just a minute. You can leave your Bible down there. 
I'm a little sweaty. I'm sorry you have to do this. It's all right. Wrap your arms around me and clench them pretty tight right there. Hey, this is a lot of people. <laughs> it is. By the way, this is your friends who say, man, we're just having a good old time. Man, living the lost life, it's great, it's great. And they got this thing of this weight on their back. Hang on, you'll hear more about that tonight. You know what, they're in bondage. And you know what's really sad is a lot of your friends think this is the way I have to live the rest of my life. Walking around with this weight, this bondage, this thing that's got me in its, in its bonds. Not me. 41 years ago, when Jesus revealed to me I was a sinner, I went to my preacher's little office and a little country church and he told me the gospel. And that day he said, Stephen, you think it's time for you to do something? I said, I do. I said something like this, oh Lord. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want you to save me. And all of a sudden, thank you, buddy. The bondage got broken. The bondage was broken. Now, you say, Brother Steve, are you saying you never sin? I'm not saying that a bit. But I am saying this. If I sin, it's not because I have to. It's because I chose to. Right. You know why? The bondage has been broken. Fill the house. It needs, your house needs to be filled. Please, please, please forgive me for using an illustration that I used very recently. But I just couldn't help it. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to. And so a man had an amazing house, as you can see, amazing, beautiful, beautiful part of town. I mean, just immaculate. He's in his house one night and there's a knock on the door and he goes to his door and Jesus is standing at the door. And Jesus said, you know, I need a place to stay. Is there any way I could come in and stay for a few days? And the man said, absolutely. He said, look at this place, man. He said, come in. And there was a room. You can see it right about up there toward the, the left side of the house right there. There was a room there. It's a beautiful room. The room was bigger than some of your homes. And he said, I've got a room up here. He said, nobody even lives in it. He said, listen, I'll tell you what you do, Jesus. He said, you just come there stay, stay in that room. And he said, uh, it's got its own bathroom and bath and shower and beds and chairs. And, and you just stay there as long as you want to. And Jesus said, thank you so much. And, and uh and Jesus carried his luggage in and he went to that room. Here's what you want, I want you to understand. Jesus will only take what you give him. Yeah. Right. Later that night, there was a, another knock on the door. It was late in the darkness of the night and the man thought, who, who could that be? And so he went to the door and when he just cracked the door open, Satan burst through the door. And there was a fight of all fights. I mean, you talk about scratching and clawing and temptation and wickedness and, uh, and defilement. And, and, uh, and that man and Satan fought one another for the longest time. And finally, finally, he was able to push Satan out the door and he locked the door. The next day, he saw Jesus. They said, Jesus. Did you not hear what happened last night? Did you not hear the commotion? Did you not hear the fussing? Did you not hear the fighting? 
And Jesus said, you know what? He said, I did hear that. I did. But he said, you just gave me this one room up here on the side of the house. And the man lowered his head and he said, you're right. What was I thinking? He said, man, I have this big, gigantic house. He said, I gave you this little room. And he said, Lord, I'll tell you what. You know what? You just take the whole top of the house. And he said, you live in the whole top of the house. He said, I'll live in the bottom. And Jesus said, that's wonderful. That night or a night or two later, there was another knock on the door. Apprehensively, the man went to the door and he cracked the door. Sure enough, same scenario. Satan bust, burst in and, man, you've never seen the fighting and the evil and the wickedness and the defilement. And, I mean, fighting one another and, and clawing one another and poking one another. And, and the man was screaming and hollering and saying, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And yet Jesus never came. And finally, the man was able, he was able to, to, to finally push Satan out the door. Man, he just bolted it and chained it and locked it. And the next door, the next day, he saw Jesus. And he said, Jesus, do you love me? And Jesus said, son, you know I love you. He said, did you not hear what happened last night? Did you not hear the commotion and things breaking and things getting turned over? And did you not hear it when Satan came in? And Jesus said, you know, he said, I heard that. But he said, you know, you gave me the top of the house. But you kept the bottom. And the man said, you're right. You know what, Lord? From now on, you just have the whole house. I'm just going to give you the whole house, Lord. You can live upstairs, downstairs. You can live in the basement. You can live in any room. You can take my bedroom. Man, you got free access to the kitchen, living room, anything, everything. It's yours, Lord. You just, it's all yours. Jesus said, thank you. That's very good. Later that night, there was a knock on the door. And this time, Jesus went to the door. And he didn't crack the door. He opened it broad. And when Satan stood there in the door and he saw Jesus, Satan lowered his head and said, oh, I think I got the wrong house. How about you? Is your house filled with Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost? I heard this statement this week. I think, I think Adrian Rogers said this this week. If you're going to have a Christian home, you got to have Christians. Hey, if you've got a home and not everybody in your home is saved, you know what your, you know what your calling is? To get everybody in that house that's just as saved just as soon as you can. That's your calling. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this truth. Lord, reform is not enough. Turning over a new leaf is not enough. Lord, a change of lifestyle is not enough. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just not enough. Alcoholics Anonymous is not enough. Lord, incarceration is not enough. Narcotics Anonymous, not enough. Reformers unanimous, it's not enough. Lord, just trying to do better, I'm, I'm really gonna try to do better, it's not enough. Lord, that house must not only be swept and cleaned and garnished, but Lord, it must be filled. 
it must be filled. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder how many, how many are here today. And you'd say, Pastor, if I died today, if I died today and without anybody looking, please, just for a few moments, nobody looking. You'd say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, I know that I'm born again and on my way to heaven. If you can say that honestly, just between you and Jesus, just slip your hand up. Thank you so much. You can lower your hands. But I want to ask a second question. How many are here today? I'm not going to come back and get you. I don't do that. I'm not going to try to drag you down the aisle. I'm not going to do that. But I wonder how many are here today would say, Brother Pope, if I died today, preacher, if I died today, I am not sure, 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Pastor, I care enough to at least let you say a prayer from me. If that's you right now, preacher, I am not sure. I want you to slip your hand up right now. Just raise it up. I see that hand. Who else? Come on. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure. Who else? Can I pray for you? I see that hand. Is there another? Somebody else? Can I pray for you? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Is there one more? One more? Come on, be honest. I see those hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray with me? Come on. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. I just want to pray for you. Pastor, I'm not sure. Would you pray with me? Is there somebody else? I've saw at least, I've saw at least, probably at least four hands. Somebody else right now, right before I pray, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? All right? With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many are here today? And you'd be honest. Come on now, you'd be honest. And you'd say, Pastor, I am saved. I've already raised my hand about that. I'm pretty sure Jesus has the top floor. But I'm not, I'm not really sure that I've given him free reign. Pastor, I'm not really sure that Jesus controls my life. He saved me, but I'm not sure I've given him. I'm not sure I've given him free access. If that's you, without anybody looking, nobody's looking, you just slip your hand up, just slip, slip it up. Let me pray with you this morning. Yep, 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 yep. Anybody else? Anybody else? Pastor, remember me. All right, okay, okay. Listen, I know it's, we're not gonna be here very much longer. I'm just gonna ask this point blank. Nobody's looking except me. How many are here this morning would say, Brother Pope, here it is, right here. I need to get right with Jesus. Pastor, I need to get right with the Lord. If that's you right now, if that's you, and the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart right now, I want you to slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Pastor, I need to get right with the Lord. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to get right with the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Hey, can I say this? I'm proud of you. I'm gonna tell you one thing I love. I love honest people. And I love, even more than that, I love people that get honest with God. 
I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would just very quietly tiptoe down to the altar. And if all of you, please, right now, if you just stand with us all over the house with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if you're here this morning, you're here this morning, and you say, Pastor, I need to get saved. I need to get right with God. I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I need to give the Lord the whole house free reign. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I want you to come. I want you to come. Folks are already coming. I want you to come. I want you to come. There's going to be somebody here to meet you, pray with you. If you're here this morning, said, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. Come on, right now. I want you to step out. Step out right now. Come on. And let us take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you do that? Would you step out? Would you step out? You're here this morning and say, Pastor, I need to get right with God. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Folks are continuing to come. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. Who else? Who else? Preacher, I need to get right with the Lord. Pastor, it is time we give the whole house to God. The whole house. Not just the top floor. The whole house. Would you come? Would you come? Folks are coming. Would you come? Can we talk to you about the Lord? That's right. That's right. That's right. Come on. Amen. Good. Come on. Will you come? Oh, listen, friend, don't leave this place not, not having done what God wants you to do. Will you come? You know what would be really great? If we had some mamas and daddies who came today and just got on this altar and said, God, we're giving you the whole house. It's yours. You control it all. You control the cable TV. You control the music. You control the crowd. You control everything. Lord, it's yours. I'm giving you free reign today. So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. And I don't even know all that you are doing right now. But, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would, you would work. I pray that you would save. And I pray that you would redeem. And, Lord, I pray that you would reclaim. Lord, maybe somebody that has strayed away. And, Lord, today they're getting right with the Lord. And, God, help them to understand that you have so much you want them to do. You have such big plans for them. And I know, Lord, maybe they've gotten away. I, I, I get that. But I'm so glad you're a God of forgiveness. And you're a God of restoration. And God, you can put your hand of blessing back upon them and use them in a wonderful way for your praise and your glory. Oh, Holy Spirit, have thy way, please. And we thank you, Lord. We're just gonna keep our heads bowed for just a moment. We're gonna sing in a minute. But we're gonna pause while folks are getting some help. You know, during revival, back in revival in March, when God just, God broke out in revival, one of the things that happened during that time was a lot of times each night, God would extend the invitation just a little bit longer. And all of a sudden, when we thought things were done, one more person would come. And it's very possible God is extending this invitation out just a little bit longer because there's still one more person 
that needs to make a move. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? You say, Pastor, I'm embarrassed. Listen, not as embarrassed as you'll be if you wind up in hell. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Would you come? Anybody else here today need to make a move? You can look up this way. Listen, folks are still on the altars. And that just means the invitation is still, still ongoing. And so we're going to sing this chorus that says, Just as I am without one plea. Somebody here this morning and say, Preacher, I, I didn't mean to let it happen, but I just got off course. I just got off course. And now I've done some things, and I don't know if God will ever use me again. Let me tell you something, friend. Did you know my Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I told a man this week on the telephone, messed up his life. I mean, just messed his life up. And I told him on the phone, I said, brother, isn't it a blessing? You can go down to the potter's house. And I said, if your vessel's all marred and messed up, I said, the potter can put you back up on the wheel and he can make a new vessel. And you're here this morning, you say, preacher, it's, and my hope, it's, it's all done for me. God will never use me again. Yes, he will. <laughs> That's what's so great about coming to a church like this. Yes, he will use you again. He will forgive you. He will restore you. If you need to come, we've got some folks here in the altar. Be glad to meet you and pray with you. We're going to sing this song that just says, Just as I am without one plea. And you sing it this morning as these folks are getting some help. says, Pastor, what do you think? And my wife said, I can't believe you didn't get a question about this Wednesday night. What do you think about the revival in Asbury? She, she said, I just knew you were going to get a question about that. Somebody says, Preacher, you think that that thing in Asbury, you think it's legitimate? Let me give you the best Bible answer. And that's this. If it is not of God, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, be careful you fight against it. Because you might find yourself fighting against the Lord. But regardless of any of that. You know, you know how they said that revival, supposedly how that revival started? I watched the message. The guy preached. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I wasn't overly impressed. The revival didn't actually start while the preacher was preaching, you know when the revival, they said the revival started is when a young man walked the aisle and just got honest about some awful things going on in his life. 
and he just came and just, just confessed it and just got it right with God and revival broke out. And that, I'm not saying the whole thing's legitimate. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying this. That's usually the way revival starts. Is when God begins to work in people's hearts and they just get real honest. And they get real honest with the Lord. And so do me a favor. I know it's late. I get that. But I want you to bow your heads with me. And right before we close today, I just wonder if there might be one more that needs to take a step of faith and just come and do business with Jesus right before he goes or anybody else you need to come maybe you need to make something right with the Lord maybe you need to make something right with somebody maybe you're here today and you're filled with bitterness and today you need to just let that bitterness go and give it to the Lord Has everybody done what they need to do? All right. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll change lives. Spirit of God, do what reform cannot. God, I pray you do what programs cannot. Holy Spirit, Oh God, oh man, forgive us. God, sometimes for when we're so carnal, help us just for a little while to forget about Sunday dinner. God, if we get to Sunday dinner 15 minutes later, what's it gonna matter in eternity? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll, you'll do your handiwork right now. God, tenderize hearts, working lives. We're thanking you, Lord, for what you're doing. Anybody else tonight or today? What is Calvary Baptist Church? Calvary Baptist Church is a spiritual hospital. It's where spiritually sick people come and where they get help. We apply the medicine of the Word of God. And God does heart surgery as only He can. It's a spiritual hospital. It's just a bunch of sinners. And the guy that's talking to you is one. church. I've had you standing for a little while. We're going to sing this uh, chorus one last time. We're going to go. And, and by the way, folks in the altar, just stay in the altar as long as you need to. Just because we stop a song doesn't mean that you ever have to go away from the altar. You just stay in the altar as long as you need to. We'll just tiptoe around you. You're not going to bother. You're not going to bother us. But if you need to come, while we're singing this last stanza, if you need to come, you come while we wait. So let's sing. Ready? Just that.
missing today. We're so glad to have you here. And uh, maybe one of the things you've noticed is we just don't like doing church like church is normally done, okay? And uh, we, don't want ever, we don't want to ever just come here and just go through the motions, you know? It's not what church is all about. The church is about a move of God, amen, and the Holy Spirit working. And aren't we glad that the Holy Spirit has worked today, amen? Wonderful, 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 amen. All hearts free? All right. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. Whatever you do, church, don't miss tonight. We're going to be, and by the way, it won't be a lengthy, won't be a lengthy message, but whatever you do, don't miss tonight as we'll be back on the fruit of the Holy Spirit tonight. And so I hope that you'll, uh, you'll come and be with us. All right, Brother Brandon, come on up here and dismiss us in prayer. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, for moving the way you did. God, we thank you, Lord, for the great message from our preacher. Lord, we thank you that you laid that message upon his heart, Lord, to deliver unto us. And Lord, thank you for working in hearts and lives. And God, I pray, Lord, that everyone has done what needed to be done in this room this morning. Lord, that burdens were laid down. Lord, that things were brought forth to this altar. And Lord, I pray that they will stay here, that they won't bring them back to their chairs and bring them back home with them. Lord, but as they empty their house, Lord, may you fill them up now. Lord, and may they seek after you. And Lord, I'm reminded that your word says that if we'll draw close to you, that you will draw close to us. Lord, but we first have to take that first step to draw close to you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to do the remainder of the work. Lord, uh, if there's anyone else, Lord, that is here this morning, Lord, maybe they're still holding on to what they think they know as far as salvation, that good works or being in church or a church attendance or anything like that. God, I pray that you would just continue to work on their hearts. Lord, if there's anyone else that is here that is lost and undone without you, Lord, they're unsure of their eternity. They're unsure if they took their last breath or something happened on the way home and they got into a wreck and their life was ended. Lord, I pray that they know where they're going to go and where they're going to spend eternity. But Lord, if there's one that's still here this morning and they're unsure of that, Lord, help them to find one of us allow us to be able to take your word and show them how they can know without a shadow of a doubt that they can have a home in heaven forever. Lord, we love you. Lord, dismiss us with your blessings. Lord, watch over us as we all go home, Lord, and bring us back excited tonight for the service. Lord, help us to be prayed up. Lord, help us to come in so full of the Holy Spirit before we even arrive onto the property. And Lord, we pray that you would meet with us once again tonight in a great and mighty way. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.